0: You're listening to SoFloRadio.com.
1: I guess we're a little early. What do you want to do? Anything but inspect this temple of capitalism. Oh, Nick. Look at them. Their eyes popping out of their heads, drooling over the very things that are taking away their jobs.
2: Now, Nick, don't get all excited. My family think that America is a pretty swell place, and I don't want you to disillusion them.
1: I know.
3: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Groovatons. I am Tony C. Of course, I'm joined live in the studio by the crossfader man over there, the master of production engineering, the man to make sure that our groove is satiny smooth. Say hello to Los all... churches. Thank you. Thank you very much. I got a good L good... in there. Of course, every Groovathon centers around an attitude of gratitude. Mucho mahalo. Everybody tuning in live and downloading the show here in America and around the world. Yo, how you doing, fallow oh, mine? It's uh Eclipse! It's great, it is
4: Eclipse it Day. Is. I have my special viewing glasses over here. <laughs> uh, bent- B- Bushnell, yeah. Bushnell brand
3: viewing glasses. The Bushnell's one of those seven thirty-five or eight forty.
4: These were a radio freebie promotion that I uh, stuck in a drawer, and uh, you know, Bushnell's—they're they're they're the best. Sure, I want to get a very—I uh, want to magnify the eclipse as much as possible. I, I understand
3: that that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> look at that through the telescope. You want to go right up to the top of uh, Mauna Loa and look through the world's. Most powerful optical telescope. <laughs> right. Still, hot as well get out. Nice to know that uh, that the uh, president is listening to the show because I was talking last week about how uh, you know the coolest thing about being president would be doing the whole Kennedy honors thing. Guess what? He's skipping the Kennedy honors. It's yeah. No, well, right. the, he knows
4: that nobody likes him there.
3: That's, that's pretty much it. We got more stuff on that. As a matter of fact. We have got a lot of stuff to get to today, so we've got to get around to it. Let me see, what do we got? We got uh, Jeffrey Loria winning a $1.2 billion sucker bet at the expense of Derek Jeter, Michael Jordan, and South Florida taxpayers. Why I think the next Bassmasters fishing competition should be held in Nevada at Comans Lake, which is a popular fishing spot near Great Basin National Park. Ted Nugent whines like a little girl and then gets justifiably spanked By a gun-loving, drug-addled, diabetic septuagenarian, once again proving the age-old adage, the bigger the crossbow, the smaller the cock. Uh, Let me see what else. I'm going to have a late-summer look at how my 2017 financial predictions are coming along, and as of now, let's just say I ain't looking like Nostradamus. Also, I'll explain how the potential pardoning of one man will feel like a mass pardoning to an entire basket of deplorable. As the president opts for a day trip to Phoenix instead of the one he should have made to Charlottesville with a bonus package analysis into how that relates to our government's most recent misdiagnosis of the opioid epidemic. And while it will inevitably lead, result in a profitable prescription doomed to failure for America, but potentially a victory for Trump and even Steve Bannon. Here's when I called from called from my newsfeed just for you. Right when we thought Ann Coulter was becoming a new man, mm-hmm. he decides to spend the weekend <laughs> in the Hamptons and shows his true colors. Or should I say color. And sure. of course that color is green.
4: Oh,
5: okay.
3: Uh-huh. Plus modern-day biblical pragmatism from world-renowned theologian Lewis Black. And Coglin's Law versus Young Flanagan's sacred books, a fond recollection of lessons learned from the movie Cocktail, along with some genuine words of wisdom from the genuine Brian Flanagan which surprisingly have nothing to do with wine Scrabble or billiards (laughs) you have to know him to get that one I'll explain later of course all of that is going to be drenched in the finest most diverse group anywhere on the air including a drive group set that features you ready for this one this is all in one set this is how cool we are man Brian Setzer Roy Buchanan Glenn Campbell and Roy Clark Steve Stevens and wait for it I'm Jones in the Drive Groove. I already freaked you out with that one earlier. I know. Just past 2 o'clock in the only Hollywood that matters anymore. You know where that is, right? Hollywood. In Florida. That means it's just past 8 o'clock in the morning in the Cow District on the southern tip of the Big Island of Hawaii. Aloha to my ocean view, Oahu. Just past 7 o'clock at night. Dublin, Lysom, St. Anne, Lisbon, and the rest of Western Europe. And yeah, just past 8 o'clock in where? Bating is Sweden. So, skrika which, of course, I'm sure you know, means shout out in Swedish.
4: Oh,
5: yeah, <laughs> sure.
3: Who doesn't? That's how you say. It. Okay. I had to actually listen when I, I. I had to listen to it on the computer to get it right.
4: I found every language pronunciation easy until I met a Swede.
3: <laughs> it really is quite bizarre. Oh big Lord. Big shout out to my man Duncan, and the rest of the Nordic group of tears, and they big this one, this one going out, Irish stuff. I need a big shout out and to get well soon. Duncan's mom, Sylvia, from Stillorgan, I need you to, to buck up, young lass. Buck up there. Yo, Gramps Master Flash. I'm ready. You got the sheets on this bed of funk tucked in tight enough to bounce a quarter off them? Boing. Well then, who gives a shit about clean laundry? Because I got a $10 roll and it's all going to get pumped into a brand new Groovaton on the SilflowRadio.com.
6: I should have known earlier about President Bush, but I I gave him some rope, a lot of rope, and then he hung all of us with it. (laughs) I should have known it when I heard him say, when it comes to evolution, the jury's still out. (laughs) What jury where? (laughs) The Scopes trial is over. Never thought that during the course of my life that a president would be elected who didn't believe in evolution, or at least kind of in the ballpark of it, or thought, mm, maybe it's got some merit. But no! He believes that the Earth was created in seven days. Whew! Takes my breath away. And why does he believe that? Because he read it in the Old Testament which is the book of my people the Jewish people and that book wasn't good enough for you Christians was it? He went, no, we've got a better book with a better character you're gonna love him! and you called your book new and said our book was old And yet every Sunday, I turn on the television set. And there's a priest or a pastor reading from my book. (laughs) And interpreting it. And their interpretations, I have to tell you, are usually wrong. (laughs) It's not their fault because it's not their book. You never see a rabbi on TV interpreting the New Testament, do you? (laughs) If you want to truly understand the Old Testament, if there's something you don't quite get, there are Jews who walk among you. (laughs) And they, I promise you this, will take time. Out of their very Jewy, Jewy day. (laughs) And interpret for you anything that you're having trouble understanding, and we will do that if, of course, the price is right. In seven days? No. <laughs> for those of you who believe it was, um, for you Christians, uh, let me tell you, then you do not understand the Jewish people. We Jews understand that it did not take place in seven days, and that's because we know what we're good at. And what we're really good at is bullshit. <laughs> this is a wonderful story that was told to the people in the desert in order to distract them from the fact that they did not have air conditioning. I would love to have the faith to believe that it took place in seven days, but I have thoughts. (laughs) And that can really fuck up the faith thing. (laughs) Just ask any Catholic priest.
3: Shaman's Harvest, The Devil in Our Wake, that is brand new. It literally just came out, I think, last month. They have a brand new CD out called Red Hands, Black Deeds. Those guys out of Jefferson City, Missouri, from the heartland. Before that, love this shit. Sugar Billy Garner, you're wasting my time. That is a 45 that he released in 1971, that guy out of Motor City from Detroit. So we got some good Detroit funk there. Before that, a couple of, uh, we love this guy. Lewis Black, great He's one of the funniest guys out there. A couple of clips from him on religion and sliced in between the two clips of Lewis Black. One of my favorites, Gentle Giant. Bet you thought we couldn't do it from The Missing Piece. Came out in 77. For the uh, Lewis Black, Roxanne Shante. I was talking about her last week. That was the whole thing. I brought up Roxanne Shante, so I went on a bit of a, you know, juice crew. That was it, the juice crew out of Brooklyn. So I kind of went on a bit of a kick there. That was from her uh, second uh, album. She actually only came out with two uh, The song's called Trick or Treat from The Bitches, back from 1992, and kicking it off, Lenny Kravitz, Tunnel Vision from Circus, one of my, that's probably my favorite album by him. I mean, Let Love Rules, great, and all that stuff, but that one just with, uh, what else is on there? Rock and Roll is Dead, one of my favorite songs. So, what caught my eye? this week Oh, you got the uh, uh, I, I
4: don't know yeah i thought we would live stream it since uh you got the, we're the, in the shade over here anyway yeah
3: we got the eclipse thing on the uh, computer over there i mean look i you look it, what happens it gets dark okay yeah. it was dark all <laughs> last night what's your point
4: it's you know it's all the little nuanced things
3: uh it's fucking d d d the corona the corona Seriously. the halo yeah this is you know if you ever this is this is it's a, somebody called a geek uh, Choakella. Coach or whatever it's called. The Burning yeah. Man Geek Fest. <laughs> so well what caught my eye this week? Well, uh source. Derek Jeter, Michael Jordan among groups set to buy Marlins. <laughs> okay. This one I thought was interesting because I, I pointed this out last week. Um that this was kind of you know, they hadn't been able to put together a uh a team to buy the club yet and uh the uh chairman uh the uh Commissioner for Major League Baseball said that the 1.2 billion dollar price tag shouldn't be in it. shouldn't be you know any kind of uh, hindrance to it. Well, guess guess not. Um, Friday, Jeffrey Loria uh, basically said that he's going to sell the Miami Marlins to a purchase group led by businessman Bruce Sherman and Derek Jeter and Michael Jordan for 1.2 billion dollars. Check this out; it is an almost eightfold return. On the 158 million that he officially, but only sort of, paid to acquire the Marlins in 2002, the guy literally made one billion dollars in 15 years by owning this team. Okay, it needs to; it still needs to get uh, approval from the owners, but it probably will. Um, let me see. Uh, almost uh, Loria is poised to get almost double the estimated 675 million that Forbes values the franchise at. That's the value of Remember, I was saying hey, mm-hmm. it's not worth it? Right. Well, apparently Forbes, Forbes is on, you know, is standing shoulder to shoulder with me. They they value the team at six hundred and seventy-five million. He's selling it for one point two billion dollars. Once again, as the guy from uh that line from uh Gone in Sixty Seconds, there's just too many self-indulgent Wheaties with too much bloody money. That's what this proves. Somebody's yeah. gonna pay $525 dollars more than a team is actually valued at by Forbes. Who, you know.
4: They ought to know. They ought to know.
3: <laughs> they, you know they, they they know what shit's worth, pal. Okay? And these guys, what sucker bet. You know, my question is this. I wonder what the team's going to be worth in 10 years from now. What is sports teams going to be worth? We've literally gotten to a right. point now where sports franchises are the new purchasing. They're the new toy. Okay. For, for newly minted billionaires. This is their new toy. It used to be sports cars. Then it was McMansions and big houses. And then it was private islands. And now it's sports franchises. Derek Jeter and Michael Jordan are buying the Florida Marlins. Okay? How it, these guys? I could never buy a team that I didn't support. Like initially. Right. I couldn't buy the Marlins. I'm a Mets fan. Right. I hate the Marlins. Buy the Mets. <laughs> yeah. That's already been done. You know, you know who owns the Mets now. It's no. not just Fred Wilpon. It's uh, guys like uh, you just mentioned, John Stewart, part owner yeah. of the Mets. All right, Bill Maher, part owner of the Mets. Okay, yeah, that's why. Yeah, that's why conservatives hate the Mets and like the Yankees. <laughs> yeah, you because know? the Yankees are owned I by the Steinbrenners, and they love the Steinbrenners. So that's all you know. So that's there. Let me see. What else do we have over here? Um, well, this one cracks me up. A-hole Ted Nugent shredded by David Crosby over Rock and Roll Hall of Fame claims. Ted was saying that is, uh, basically Ted Nugent was saying that the reason he's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is because of his political affiliations. To which David Crosby tweeted, okay, this is the best. He goes, no, the asshole just isn't good enough. Okay. (laughs) Done. We're done. We're done with that. Yeah, we're done with that. That's that. Pretty much says it all. Anne Coulter reportedly tried to raise money for herself at a library fundraiser. Uh oh. <laughs> we were just we were just getting on board with her, weren't we? Right? Because well, she she, I, she talked about I, how Sean Hannity and the rest of these guys were fucking sick right. of fans. I
4: appreciate her. Drop. I appreciate her.
3: Over the weekend, Anne Coulter participated in the East Hampton Library's Author Night fundraiser, during which she was supposed to sell some of her books with all the proceeds going to the library. But the conservative pundits seemingly had a different idea of her booth. According to Page Six, which is the gossip page from the New York Times, uh, New York Post, she also had, quote, made a handwritten sign and sold her DVDs for cash. And there's a picture of her here. Mm. It's got her sitting there with her book, Ann Coulter Guilt. Uh, Ann Coulter, the, the book mm-hmm. Guilty. And right next to her, here it is. What's that sign yeah. say right next to her? Cash only. There you go, baby. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Cash only. She's not even wow. taking not even taking credit cards. That's you know that's what she's like. So I mean, it's a little disappointing to me because I was just gonna. I was about. You know, we were so close to having him come on her him her. It, yes, it it, it right. It. You
4: know, come over from the dark side.
3: I'd love to have her.
4: No, that's not going to happen. The reason that I appreciate, speaking of the dark side. Speaking of the dark side, right. The reason that I I appreciate him is because that's the only honest voice of what uh, is known as the conservative people, the right wing. I don't like either one of those labels. I don't think that they're accurate labels for, for that segment of the population. But she's the only honest voice of them. She predicted that Trump would win the primaries. And when asked why, she said, he's the only person that's saying the things that we want to hear. And they said, what's that? And she said, he had me at Mexican rapist. And, and there it is. Yeah. There, nothing else. There's only one thing. That everyone who hates him and loves him agrees on, and that's he's, he's a racist. racist. They like it, we don't. we don't. Yeah, but but at least she has always been honest enough
3: to admit that that's what it's all about. She's a bitch and she admits she, it. Yeah. yeah, she's almost our kind of bitch. We almost and, like her. And when he made fun I of, I almost get why yeah. why Bill Mark considers her a friend. I almost get it. I'm, I'm so right. close. She's a
4: good guest. <laughs> and know. when Trump was making fun yeah. of the disabled guy, she said, oh, yeah, no, he's uh, he just the Hispanic, doing the, standard, re- from the Hispanic standard, Network. standard retard.
3: This one definitely caught my eye. Reward offered to catch Nevada Lake invasive fish dumper. Yes. Nevada game wardens who spend most of their time hunting down big game poachers are focusing on a serious threat to nature in a lake. An invasive fish species that eats all other fish that are prized by anglers. The Nevada Department of Wildlife is offering a $10,000 reward to help nab the culprit who apparently dumped Northern Pike into Coman's Lake, which is a popular fishing spot surrounded by mountains near Great Basin National Park in Nevada. By all accounts, Coman's Lake was well on its way to recovery after the state restocked the fishery with largemouth bass, brown, and rainbow trout in 2015. So... That's definitely a place where you want to go and fish. I mean, bass, trout, shit, mm-hmm. hello. Uh, but the invading northern pike were discovered again last month by a fisherman who caught caught one and called state wildlife officials. Good for him. That's what he, you got to like that about yeah. the real fishermen, the real hunters. Okay, those kinds of people whose concern, you know, because the NRA was originally they were all about saving the land for hunters.
4: Right, sportsman, sportsman, thank you,
3: sports, and
4: or you're supposed to be good sports. And good five more have been
3: confirmed since then. This quote: "This malicious and illegal act seriously endangers our effort to restore this important fishery." The people illegally introducing pike are destroying the fishery, not creating a new one. We intend to fight whoever did it. So I think that the Bassmasters National Tournament should be held there. It should be called the Pike Masters. Yeah. That's what they go and go and get rid of all those pike fish in there. So there was that. This one I thought was funny. Senator Johnson suggests McCain's brain tumor affected his health care vote.
4: <laughs> positive to, for the positive, I hope. Yeah, well, you yeah, know what? He got no, Johnson. Right
3: Johnson's a hardcore Republican. But yeah, that was his thing. Right, he's but, like, oh, he's, you know, he's demented. Right. I, no, 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 I think it finally cleared mm-hmm, up mm-hmm. his head. Right. Right. He got religion right there. Yeah. He Maybe did. he had a, a near-life experience. He had a come-to-Jesus right. moment. That was it. Um, let me see. Rooftop solar dims under pressure from utility lobbyists. No, no shit, No, no pun intended. Yeah, really. Um, <laughs> Trump not attending Kennedy Center Honors. He, he said that it was because of politics. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want politics to be involved in it. This guy is literally mm-hmm. not doing any of the stuff that presidents do. Right. He's afraid. He's a coward. He's a coward. Sure. That's why he didn't show up to the uh, the press thing. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, the... the, the, Yeah, the uh, dinner. Yeah, the press dinner. Correspondence He's not going to show up to any of these things. No. Because he's a coward.
4: Sure. He's a pussy. He knows that everybody hates him except for the Klan and the Nazis. Right. And the few rich people that are in on the scam with him. Well, we're going to get to that.
3: we got a whole thing on that later. So... Two things that caught my eye were gold is spiking as North Korea tension rises, but if war breaks out, things could change. The other was oil prices climb as oil rig count drops. Now, as of Friday, uh, gold was at 1285 an ounce. It was at 1200 at the start of the year. Oil is still under 50 It's now it dropped another dollar, I believe, today. And uh, the Dow Jones is at 21674 six seventy four Friday close. Side note, silver is currently trading around $17 an ounce. I point this out. Because I was saying last week that some jackwad in one of these commercials for uh, Lear Capital that are, you know, designed to stoke fear. You only see, you know, by the way, they're only on Fox. Mm -hmm. These guys don't advertise anywhere else that I have found. I've never seen one of these buy gold now. What's in your vault? What's in your safe? You know, the the Devane shit. I've never seen those ads on any channel other than Fox. The guy saying it's going up to uh, $200 an ounce. I did just a tad of research. Just a tad. The most expensive, it's all-time high, is $47 an ounce. That's the all-time high in 2011. And it hasn't been over 25 an ounce since 2013. We're not running out of silver. Don't be a sucker. Anyway, at the start of the year, I predicted that oil would be between $55 and $60 a barrel. Oops. Gold would be below $1,100 an ounce. Oops. And that the Dow Jones would take a nosedive after Labor Day. Now, we're not at Labor Day yet. So... Obviously, as of right now, mm-hmm. I'm getting killed. I'm down. Right. Literally, I'm wrong every way I could be wrong. However, let's see what happens after Congress gets back from its well-deserved summer vacation. Mm-hmm. After mm-hmm. all, they got absolutely nothing done. So surely they have earned three weeks of slamming ever-clear martinis by the pool. I, I
4: don't think you're being fair. They got that Russian sanctions bill done. They did. They <laughs> did. <laughs> One. And it was a good one.
3: One and done. They're one and done. They're like the the University of Kentucky of Congresses. One and done, baby. Yes. As the happenings tune warned us over 50 years ago, see you in September when Congress is going to have to pass a budget, increase the debt ceiling, and then try and survive the inevitable congressional cage match over tax reform. And they're going to have to deal with this, with all of this shit, all while a never-ending tweet storm, forces them to spasmodically conjure up a vernacular that is, at this point, best described as Pavlovian (laughs) in its manner as they spew out one more caveat-laden, non-denial denial denial after another. Mm -hmm. So I think that we're about to hit the shitstorm now. With the financial, because this is the this is the one thing he's been kind of hanging his hat on, and that his supporters have been hanging their hat on. Look at the markets. Look at this. That's because nobody's fucking. There's nobody keeping an eye on it, so they're basically getting away with anything they can now. Mm-hmm. They're going to get away with everything they can. You want to know why? You know, deregulation, fantastic. We can take advantage of people. Mm-hmm. When you know, slave labor, slave labor. Sure. I think that's yeah, going to be good. It. Make hay while the sun shines. Oh, sorry, eclipse. They're- well, we've got. The next segment that we're gonna be talking, it's all gonna be, you know, because obviously some stuff happened while yeah. we were, you know, in the last two weeks. And I'm gonna say <laughs> I'm gonna say right now that for me personally, of all the things that I saw, what saddened me the most was the torch these guys carrying the torches yeah. outside of a synagogue these, at the beginning of the spot. Ass, yeah. And saying Jews will not replace us. Okay, first things first. Too late, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You want to you, you want to know why you hate us? Because we own everything, bitches. Sorry. You want to know why you want to know why Jews own Hollywood? Because when they had to re when they had to go from silent movies to talkies, mm-hmm. they needed investment capital. Right. They had to they had to change all of their equipment. So where'd they go? Where do you go mm. for money? Where well, you go to Wall Street? And Wall Street's not stupid. So they just said, you know what? We don't need you to pay it back. We're just going to keep the fucking studio. It, it, it even goes further <laughs> back than that. It
4: was, it, you know, why are Jews comedians, showbiz, entertainment? Because what they couldn't get hired anywhere, they actually had to perform on the street yes. for change, and they got good Sheckle. at it. Yes. And then they and then they, they took, went to the they board took the shekels and, and they and they and they nailed together a a proto theater so that they wouldn't have to do their That's right. their on theater street. street or, right.
3: Street at the, the turn of the nineteenth right. century. Which the Street,
4: great. and then Vaudeville, and then that became Vaudeville, and then that became the movie industry. Walt and it's Whitman, all because you wouldn't hire them. That's right. You idiots, if Walt you Walt
3: Whitman said, yeah. he said, you know, someday New York is going to be the birthplace mm-hmm. of a great American uh, cinema, uh, or a great yeah. American theater and opera. Right. And he yep. said that because he saw what the what blacks and Jews were doing, mm-hmm. and he knew that that would be an amalgam in there. So a great funny line from Robert Klein. who's talking about uh, Jews in the Porsche belt about how it's all these jokes that are English but with a Yiddish punchline. I went to the <laughs> doctor. The guy do- said, "Doctor, I can't do this." Doctor said, "Well, have you tried this?" And I said, "No. If I lift my arm, it hurts." He goes, "Well, but come to come to come to come to Right. <laughs> it's, all, it's all it's all it's all jokes with <laughs> a Yiddish punchline. They got they got the Italian ones too. In any event. We've got a lot of stuff to do, but that was the saddest thing for me Mm. was seeing what looked like nineteen thirties Germany. Sure. In Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. And Jews will not replace us. I you know, there's just not a lot of us out here. I I I don't you know, the thing that always mystifies me is how outnumbered Mm -hmm. all these minorities are. Right. And, yet, and yeah And yeah. And yeah, somehow I don't know. It's, somehow you're a threat. Yes, yes, yes. Well, you think I'm a threat now? Yeah. <laughs> How are you threatening me? Are you threatening me? <laughs> well, yeah, we're gonna do we keep the groove going here. You know, this is interesting. I came across this this particular track, it's by a band called the Pirates, but it's not the Pirates that I have played in the past, which is Johnny Ken, the pirates shaking it's all com- over. Completely different pirates. It is. These guys are out in New Orleans, it's cutting out by the pirates on the Groovathon. On soflow Don't call
5: my
7: name, don't ask me why. Don't say you love will never die low, don't stop the shout. I'm telling you now, I'm cutting out. you're doing me
5: wrong
7: You're bad, I'm sad It's the same old
5: song Don't
7: start to cry Don't try to cry I just don't get it I'm cutting out And I find yourself another boy. I
5: made
7: it plain I don't go that route. I've had enough and I'm cutting out. Get
8: ten
7: percent
9: from the waitresses. I don't
8: deserve it. You schmuck, you get money from girls every day. Hey, Frogman. Anyone that can get money out of her is a major talent. Come back next Thursday. I've got five shifts open. You're offering me a job? Uh huh. The waitresses hate me. Well, you wait till you've given them crabs. Then you'll really know. <laughs> protégé i taught him all i know together with the token might get me on a subway (laughs) you can only take a guy so far then it's a question of biology biology is destiny ah the old philosopher (laughs) you see there are two kinds of people in this world the workers and the hustlers the hustlers never work and the workers never hustle and you my friend are a worker god knows i've tried to beat that instinct out of him but it's there ingrained in your immigrant blood (laughs) how tasty your cocktails are. Look how clean you keep your bath. Why, man, you actually take pride in your work.
3: Yeah, baby, Papa grows funk. <laughs> if you're going to grow something, you might as well grow some funk. There's Funkus Amuncus. That is a song called Yes, Ma'am. Now, that's live from the Maple Leaf in New Orleans, which is where these guys are from. The original version of that song, Yes, Ma'am, was from uh, their album that came out in 2012 called Needle in the Groove, which I don't know if they're aware of Mantronics. Needle to the groove. Oh. Needle to the groove. Yeah, on uh, Sleeping Bag Records, I remember those guys, their uh, offices were really close to us uh, at Tower when we were up at 66 and Broadway, so I used to go over there with uh, Millie Walker. Shout out to Millie upstairs, you know, she definitely left us too soon. That was a great lady right there. She used to take me to their offices to uh, hang out with MCT and the Mantronics crew and shit, so that was that was pretty cool. Before that, yeah, a little wisdom from uh, from Cocktail, Coglin's Law, and... Uh, Flanagan's young books. We'll be finding out more about that later. In between that, a nice little mix there. We had General Crook do it for me, which is a forty-five. He uh, came out with in nineteen seventy-four. He was actually his his birth name is General Columbus Crook. He was born in uh, Mississippi in nineteen forty-five, um, and he's got a really great uh, album. Out. One of his classic albums is I wrote it down here. Uh, There's a fever in the funk house. Came out in nineteen seventy-four. And uh we put that into a mix with DJ Jabel, one of my you know, I like to go diving into the B Boy mixes, the B Boy breakbeat mixes. That is from uh Cypher Session Tape Mix One, which came out in two thousand seventeen. For that, uh another clip from Cocktail. Yeah. You got women giving you money all the time, pal? There's a great line. He's like, yeah, they all the just hate me. He goes, well, where do you give them crabs? Then you'll really know hatred. <laughs> you work in the bar business. You'll really get that one. Before that, poets of rhythm. Yeah, practice what you preach from Practice What You Preached in 1994. Great funk from Europe. Those guys out of Germany. Um, it was the other band that I played, the Boogus, doing Bubble Bath. You know, another one of those great German bands. And kicking it off, the Pirates, but not Johnny Kidd and the Pirates. I say, right. as I hold my Uh-er. hand up. It's a band called The Pirates. They were uh, from Louisiana, and they really only came out with two 45s, and this is the B-side of their second 45. It's called Cutting Out. came out in 1966. So here we go. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, you carved yeah. up? Yeah. Okay, yeah, oh, carve you know. up. I thought uh, Andrea Mitchell actually called – uh, what happened in Charlottesville and what's been going on now, she she actually gave it a great description. She called it a corruption of our spirit. Okay. Okay, and um, yeah, you know, she's right. It is. It is a corruption of our spirit. I thought it was uh, – there's a headline I wrote that said, uh, U.S. cities step up removal of Confederate statues despite Virginia violence. You know, I wrote a little thing about this, and I've kind of – in the last couple of days, I've kind of been turned around on it because I was like – the fuck do you care about a statue? The thing is, most of these statues were were built, okay, after 1900, mm-hmm. okay? They were built during the height of the Jim Crow era. So right. I, you know, yeah. and I guess if somebody had a statue, you know, to, you know, I don't know, anti-Jew people, and they were all over the place, I'd probably find that a little bit offensive too. And And, you know, I had originally said that I just you know, I I think you're making a a lot of hooey Mm. about statues. The fuck you care? Forget it. Why don't we start building you know it's not like we're we're you know, why don't we build statues there's a lot of uh,
4: ignoring the golden rule because it, uh, it it pops up in every religion, and the Christians like to pretend that they like Jesus. But that's one of the things is uh, they do racist things, and they and they hide behind the excuse that it wouldn't it's our offend, history. It wouldn't offend me. It wouldn't offend right. me. I'm not doing anything. It wouldn't offend me. Well, well, you can't relate to that situation because you're not you a well, fill in the blank that's getting offended over there. Yeah. F- I'm
3: sure that you are offended by something. In your life, uh, I'll tell you, you guess- something. You know, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. You know, another day, another march. Another day, another yeah. march. Mm-hmm. They did one in Boston this weekend, which I thought was very interesting. You know, <laughs> yeah. the Red Sox and the Celtics mm-hmm. were the last two team were the last teams in their respective sports divisions in the, uh, Major League Baseball and the NBA to be integrated. Mm-hmm. They were the last teams to to have a black or Hispanic person on the team. There was a period of time where the Celtics. Um, this is back, I guess, in the. Early '80s, mm. they were the only team in the NBA that could field and start five white guys and win. They had Bird, McHale, um, uh, mm. who else? They had uh, Danny Ainge. They had uh, Bill Walton. So they, that, I, you know, but there were there was like at least two more. But they had more. They could start five white guys. There weren't five white guys on any other fucking team in the NBA at the time. Boston's history in this department is it's pretty fucking shitty, you know. I mean, it's that's Boston's a pretty, I don't know, divided town when it comes to race, you know, race and stuff like that. I mean, blacks blacks don't fare well in Southie. Okay, you know, they really don't. Um, so there's a whole, you know, I'm I'm a I'm always going on about, you know, I wish somebody else would say this. I wish somebody else had said mm. this, you know. And I'm always saying, oh, it's nice to see so and so jumping on the bandwagon and blah right. blah. Well, guess what? Okay, good for the goose, good for the gander, because what I discovered when looking into this and how it relates to the opioid epidemic and the crisis of white middle class people, what I discovered is that a lot of people have been talking about this and saying what I've said since then. And they said it before me, Mm -hmm. going back as far as what? 1947, like we didn't learn our lessons then. I got a clip and you posted this and I want to play the whole clip. It's two and a half minutes, but it is—it really does—it really does speak to the insanity yeah. of turning back the hands of time. And this is nice and
4: fresh. You know, we can't go back to right after the Revolutionary War and no! talk to the founding fathers and what was on their mind when they wrote the Constitution. There was. Because,
3: can we just but, agree that when they this, wrote the the Constitution, things like electricity hadn't been invented then? There was no electricity. Just wrap your head
4: around that. But this is a wonderful mindset into right post-World
3: War II. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's play this, and then we'll talk after it.
2: I happen to know the facts. Now, friends, I'm just an average American. But I'm an American American. And some of the things I see in this country of ours make my blood boil. I see people with foreign money. I see Negroes holding jobs that belong to me and you. Now, I ask you, if we allow this thing to go on, what's going to become of us real Americans?
1: I've heard this kind of talk before, but I never expected to hear it in America.
2: The truth about Negroes and foreigners! The truth about the Catholic Church!
1: Do you believe in, in that kind of, are, of talk? No, know. makes pretty good sense to you. me.
2: And I tell you, friends, we'll never be able to call this country our own until it's a country without. Without what? Yeah, without what? Without Negroes, without alien foreigners, without Catholics, without Freemasons. You know these. What's wrong with the Masons? I'm a Mason. Hey, that fellow's talking about me,
1: and that makes a difference, doesn't it?
2: These are your enemies. These are the people who are trying to take over our country. Now you know them. You know what they stand for, and it's up to you and me to fight them. Fight them and destroy
1: them before they destroy us! Before he said Masons, you were ready to agree with him. Well, yes, but he was talking about... What well, about those other people? But in this country, we have no other people. We are American people. What about you? You aren't American, right? I was born in Hungary, but now I am an American citizen. And I have seen what this kind of talk can do. I saw it in Berlin. I heard the same words we have heard today. But I was a fool then. I thought Nazis were crazy people, stupid fanatics. But unfortunately it was not so. You see, they knew that they were not strong enough to conquer a unified country. So they split Germany into small groups. They used prejudice as a practical weapon to cripple the nation. Of course that was not easy to do. They had to work hard to do it. You see, We human beings are not born with prejudices. Always they are made for us, made by someone who wants something. Remember that when you hear this kind of talk, somebody is going to get something out of it, and it isn't going to be you.
3: There you go. You know, that is from 1947. The U.S. War Department actually produced that video. Right. You you know? And literally, how little we have learned, how little we have learned... A friend of mine posted one of these memes on Facebook. this is very recently, and, and it said, "No white person alive today ever owned a slave." First of all, that's bullshit mm. <laughs> okay No black person alive today ever was a slave. We can't move forward if people want to keep living in the past. That's the meme that's been circulating mm-hmm. around right So I couldn't help you know and I, I basically I said a while ago that I kind of stopped doing. You know, the responding thing. Mm. Because why? It's a waste of time, waste of breath, waste of everything. You're not convincing anybody. Okay? And so I, I, you know, that's the great thing about having a show. I don't have to let my, I don't have to vent my anger on Facebook. I can vent it on a fucking microphone. But in this case, because the friend of mine who did it, I don't think, you know, mm. she's bad in this. And what I wrote is I wrote Honey Bunchkins. Mm. The sentiment of this post belies a true understanding of current reality that can only stem from willful ignorance. And I know you well enough to know that you're far better than that. Slavery is our nation's original sin. And to this very day, America's cross to bear. Only a delusion born of cognitive dissonance can lead anyone with an IQ over 80 to believe that blacks in this country are equally afforded the same opportunities or treated by authorities in the same manner as whites are. And I and then I wrote... I think, you know, honestly, I think that the uh, destruction of statues, of figures from our past that are now seen uh, seen as having been on the wrong side of history, is deleterious if for no other reason than they serve as a constant reminder of how far we still have to go in order to achieve the Founding Fathers' belief that all men are created equal. And the most important thing, I thought, in in the meme was, we can't move forward if people want to keep living in the past, which of course reminded me of Death Row Tall, but the thing that, that I thought of was that that's all these guys want to do is live in the past. Yeah. That's <laughs> right. that's all they want to do. So over the weekend, I ran into a friend of mine. Good guy. Uh, he comes down every once in a while. He's now living a little further up in uh, in Florida, but he came down and we got together for a minute or two. I ran into him over at uh, uh, over at a VFW and um, – military veteran, served mm. the country. So he gets a lot of leeway from me, lots and lots of leeway, because, you know, he had the kind of balls I didn't have. He had the balls to stand a post and defend my right to come on the air and play what I want to play and say what I want to say. All right? Mm. I didn't have those balls. So, troops, you want to spout off, I'm giving you the leeway. And right before we had to split, we uh, We were chatting. And uh, we, you know, I walked him out to his car to to take off, and I asked him if in lieu of what had been going on with President Trump these days, if he had any misgivings or second thoughts about having voted for Trump. And he didn't hesitate in responding, not at all. Mm-hmm. He felt that if there weren't so many anti-Trump forces at play and the president was allowed to implement his agenda, things would be going great, particularly mm-hmm. for the economy. And he, this is the one that, that caught me. He said – one of the problems that it's all Russia, Russia, Russia all the time. To mm. which I responded, I said, you know, if Hillary had won and there had been accusations of collusion with Russia, he and his comrades, mm. I use the word comrades mm. of course, mm. <coughs> would be doing the same thing ten times for, you know, ten times over. Sure, They would be screaming. Oh my God, look okay. at the big deal they made over that. And they, Nothing. Right, and they probably would already have called for her impeachment. His response to that was that if Hillary had won, she would have sold the rest of our uraniums to the Russians, probably at a discount. <laughs> okay now at that point, I knew what I wanted to say, but he was getting in his car so we both yeah, duckled, yeah yeah and I let him drive off. Now this is one of those things where it really this is how f- false you know false information. Okay, mm-hmm. Lies become part of a group's lexicon. You got that? Next thing queued up. Yes, I did. This is an ad that was run last October, right before the election. Go ahead. Click the click. Uh, the corruption. Yes, the Clintons from dead broke to worth hundreds of millions. So how did Hillary end up filthy rich? pay-to-play politics.
5: Staggering amounts of cash poured into the Clinton Foundation from criminals, dictators,
3: countries that hate America. Hillary cut deals for donors, sold out American workers, exploited Haitians in need. She even handed over American uranium rights to the Russians. Hillary Clinton only cares about power, money, and herself. I'm Donald Trump, and I approve this message. Yeah, I'll bet you did. (laughs) Now, here's the thing. Okay? The, uh... Hillary Clinton gave the allegations of a quid pro quo deal giving Russia ownership of one-fifth of U.S. uranium deposits in exchange for $145 in donations to the Clinton Foundation are unsubstantiated. They're unsubstantiated. Now, Snopes did a whole thing on this. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff I can go into. But more recently, the New York Times on May the 11th had an editorial from the editorial board, not one of these – op-eds coming in from somebody else, but their editorial board. And it's titled, The Trump-Russia Nexus. Mm -hmm. And they do an entire thing, uh, the Trump family business, how it ties into that, Michael Flynn, Jeff Sessions, Paul Manafort, Carter Page, Roger Stone. And they go through, piece Mm -hmm. by piece, the connections that people in the Trump campaign have with Russia. The day after that, on May the 12th, a site called investors.com, not investors daily, which is a reputable thing. This is investors business daily. You know, you like how they do that? Mm-hmm. And they wrote, oops, the New York Times accidentally explodes the Hillary Clinton Russian nexus. I swear to God, <laughs> the next day. But here's the interesting thing this guy, John Merline, Writes, below is the incredible New York Times editorial published on Thursday that lays out the case for Hillary Clinton campaign was colluding with the Russian government and then tried to cover it up by blaming the election on Russian President Vladimir Putin. And they write the Hillary Clinton Russia nexus, the Clinton family business, John Podesta, blah, 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 blah. They go on and on and on. Then they write one of the things uh, and what they do is they they put something in quotes. Mrs. Clinton and her associates can cry themselves hoarse that there is neither smoke nor fire here and that Putin was behind the election loss. But all in all, the known facts suggest usually extensive network with her and foreign powers. Then they put an asterisk and it says, okay, this is not really what the New York Times wrote in its editorial. The actual editorial can be found here, but it closely tracks what the Times editorial accuses Trump of doing. What they did, they basically said, we're just going to change Trump. Yes. Juxtapose, if Juxtapose. you will. Not even. They're not even juxtaposing. Okay. What they're doing is creating fake news. This is the definition mm-hmm. of fake news. Sure. They've taken a New York Times editorial and morphed mm-hmm. it into mm-hmm. something that the alt-right and the screaming heads – the anti Na- Nazis Clinton.
4: they're Nazis. Well the Hillary Clinton. They're all, it's the the all right, yeah, I don't like it. They're Klansmen, they're
5: whatever Nazis, the fuck.
3: Bigots. Inbred. What's important to know here is that Okay. The Um the uranium that this is all talking about, this is a complete crock of shit. It's <laughs> yeah, a complete crock yeah. of shit. And the most important thing to note here. Is that because the company, and I had this written down, uh, they sold the uranium to Uranium One, I believe was the company, which was them. 51% of it was bought out by Russia's um, Rosatom, which is the Russian nuclear agency. They took a 51% stake, amounting to one-fifth of U.S. uranium reserves. Here's the part they don't tell you, okay? Despite transfer of ownership, the uranium remains in the United States. A key fact ignored in criticisms um, involved in the deal was that the uranium was not and could not be exported. The company doesn't have a license. They're not authorized. Uh, The remainder is under U.S. control and the subsidiaries of Uranium One, okay, according to the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. Their review of the transfer of control requests determined that the United States subsidiaries will remain the licensees, will remain qualified to conduct the uranium recovery efforts, and will continue. Basically, they don't have an export license, so no uranium produced at either facility can be exported. It's all still here in America. All these guys did was invest in a company. They don't get okay. the uranium. They get 51% of the profits. That's a bit – that's, that's kind of different. I'm just saying – That's not the same as sending uranium to Russia. (laughs) No, it's not uranium. Un-fucking-believable. And this, of course, is, you know, out there. This is one of those things. There are memes. There's a whole bunch of memes that came out. Uh, Let me see. This one, the one that said, uh, so, Hillary, if Russia is such a threat, why did you sell them 20% of our uranium? Are you a liar or a traitor or both? Mm-hmm. That's one of the memes yeah, that's yeah, out there. Yeah. And I really, this is one of those things that kind of upset me because I was thinking about my friend mm-hmm. and his belief mm-hmm. that this is true and his stalwart support, continued support mm-hmm. for Donald Trump. And he's not an idiot. He's not an idiot. I don't think he's a racist either. He's a nice guy. That's it. A- <laughs> you know, I know. I, yeah. It's tough to get your head around that. I I, I hear what you are
4: saying. Yes, I've never met this person. Trust me, I will defer to your expertise. Yeah, but I find it dubious. It I, is. It's very I yes.
3: Think, I think that it's a one. Wanted-
4: there's a reason for people when someone believes something that isn't true.
3: There's a reason. There's a why. reason.
4: If if someone told me, "Hey, Tony, blah blah blah, some horse shit," all right, and I believe it. It's because I want to. If I believe it without coming to you and talking to you about it, it's – Facts don't matter. And <laughs> I, think right. it,
3: You know, and I'm going to – the tie-in now with all of this is the opioid epidemic. Mm-hmm. Trump declares opioid epidemic. That was uh, August 10, 2017. Okay. There's a fantastic movie out called The Business of Recovery. Mm, yeah. Which I recommend everybody real- see. Oh,
4: Everybody and needs ad to, documentaries. This one will blow, blow your mind minds. open. It is, you know. And, really, and and things that some of us have been saying for, for years, years. Like,
3: And what? the question is, you know, they put the $45 billion into a uh, Republican health care plan that has no chance of passing. And the question is, how much money do they want to spend? Where's the money coming from? Where's it going? Here's some of the interesting stats. Every day, 6,300 people seek some form of addiction treatment. In 1986, there were four, approximately 4,000 treatment centers. Thirty years later, in 2016, there are 14,000 treatment centers. The revenue in 1986 was nine billion. The revenue in 2016, thirty-four billion. Except in that same time frame, drug overdoses tripled. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I wrote breaking news: opioid scourge affects white people, spurs government to action. Uh huh. Now, where are they going to get the money from and exactly who's going to get it? I promise every taxpayer dollar spent will be wasted on ineffectual policies that profit the very same people responsible for the crisis in the first place. There's a RICO case to be made here involving doctors, pain management clinics, pharmacies, big pharma, and their sales reps. The only reason this is the latest in a long line of money-creating pit creating crisis de jour is because the folks... Profiting from the crisis are no longer the same scumbags who financed the campaigns of the politicians who spent years looking the other way.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. They, you know, I wrote, uh, hey, maybe all we need is a brand new SWAT team for Butcher Hollow. Yeah, that'll that'll solve the problem. More breaking news. Yes. Breaking news. More breaking news. You know, Butcher Hollow is right next to Bug Tussle. <laughs> More breaking news. Additional funds resulting from opioid crisis... Being declared a national emergency resulted in no change at all in drug importation or use. 259 million more prescriptions predicted to be written next year and the year after that and the year after that. I feel like I'm missing out. I know. Want to put a dent in the opioid crisis? Go after the people who created it, the big pharmaceutical companies and the politicians they own, and then make them pay for the pledged additional funds. They should be paying the forty five billion. I said this before. They should set it up like super fund.
5: Mm. People
3: responsible should be for, for making a mess should be the people responsible for paying to clean it up. Yeah. You made the money, now you gotta spend it to clean it up. Okay. The additional funds needed to fight I said, um we need to make them pay for the pledged additional funds needed to fight that which they themselves spawned and profited from handsomely. Honestly. Will we ever make these greedy, amoral motherfuckers pay for the damage they've done and continue to do? So, I wrote, uh, I'm thinking at this point, yeah, so here I am, okay, now I'm thinking at this point that nobody else is thinking like this. Or for that matter, nobody else has been thinking that the opioid crisis is, as far as crises are concerned, you ready for this? Mm -hmm. It's the new black. Oh, no. Hello?
10: Hello? Wow. <laughs>
3: it's the new black, baby. All right? And so I'm saying that, well, as is more often the case than not, my ego was once again relegated to its proper place when I stumbled across this editorial on the PBS NewsHour. This is a um, – you got this one. It's called Crack Addiction in the 80s versus Opioid Addiction. Today. I do. Okay. okay, this is from a guy named Ikau Yanka. He was a professor at, NYU, NYU, uh, at Cordoza School of Law in New York City. And this is from March of 2016.
10: Hit it. That Kroger, the Midwestern grocery chain, has decided to make the heroin overdose drug naloxone available without a prescription is a sign of how ominous the current epidemic has grown. Faced with a rising wave of addiction, misery, crime, and death, our nation has linked arms to save souls. Senators and CEOs, Midwestern pharmacies, and even tough-on-crime Republican presidential candidates now speak with moving compassion about the real people crippled by addiction. It wasn't always this way. 30 years ago, America was facing a similar wave of addiction, death, and crime, and the response could not have been more different. Television brought us endless images of thin, black, ravaged bodies, always with desperate, dried lips. We learned the words, crack baby. Back then, when addiction was a black problem, there was no wave of national compassion. Instead, we were warned of super predators, Young, faceless black men wearing bandanas and sagging jeans. No matter how far from our lives crack was, we're guilty by association. By the time I was in college in the early 1990s, my short dreadlocks meant older women would cross the street to avoid me. African Americans were cast as pathological. Their plight was evidence of collective moral failure, of welfare mothers and rock-slinging thugs, and a reason to cut off all help. Blacks would just have to pull themselves out of the crack epidemic. Until then, the only answer lay in cordoning off the wreckage with militarized policing. Today, police chiefs facing heroin addiction are responding not by invoking war, but by trying to save lives and get people into rehab. Suddenly, crime is understood as a sign of underlying addiction rather than a scourge to be eradicated. One former narcotics officer said, These are people. They have a purpose in life, and we can't look at it any other way but he couldn't quite put his finger on just what had changed. His words reflect our collective self-denial. It's hard to describe how bittersweet many African Americans feel witnessing this. Glad to be rid of a failed war on drugs? Yes. But also weary and embittered. When the faces of addiction had dark skin, the police didn't see sons and daughters, sisters and brothers. They saw brothers, young thugs to be locked up, not people with a purpose in life. No one laments the violence the crack bomb set off more than African Americans. But how we respond to the crimes accompanying addiction depends on how much we care about those affected. White heroin addicts get overdose treatment, rehabilitation and reincorporation. Black drug users got jail cells and just say no. It would be perverse to want to go back, and this is not just about racial guilt. The hope is that we really can learn from our meanest moments, This stark moment gives us the opportunity to quit our dedication to ignoring racism. Next time we, or even you, are faced with an indictment of institutionalized racism, maybe we can swallow the knee-jerk dismissal or the condescending finger-wagging and imagine if you would accept such treatment of your own. We don't have to wait until a problem has a white face to answer with humanity. All right,
3: there you go. And that pretty much says it all. Now, he's referring to a, uh, a police officer in there. Okay, and the police officer that he's referring to, because I I do the homework so you don't have to, is a guy named Eric Adams. And there was an article in the New York Times in November of 2015, and it said, um, Eric Adams, a white former narcotics detective, is now deployed full-time to reach out to people who have overdosed and help them get treatment. Quote, the way I look at addiction now is completely different. I can't tell you what changed inside of me. But these are people, and they have a purpose in life, and we can't, as law enforcement, look at them any other way. They're committing crimes to feed their addiction, plain and simple. They need help. Okay? You know, I can't. I like that, though. I can't tell you what changed inside of me. Right. Nothing changed inside of you. Because nothing has changed. You know what changed? The people outside of you that are being affected. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. So, of course... I watched that video, and that takes me down the rabbit hole of six degrees of YouTube, okay, (laughs) to other videos. um, Let me see. There was one called The Opioid Crisis. Karma comes to white America. Um, Now that young white adults are dying from addiction, the nation scrambles for a solution. White middle-class victims leads to softer drug war and death rates rising for middle-aged whites due to drug addiction, in which I learned that for the first time in World First World History, the death rate for middle white middle-aged people is on the rise while it's declining for blacks and Hispanics. Okay, what do you think of that one? All right. I thought that was – that's kind of an interesting little mm-hmm. thing. Now, right after the uh, New York Times article came out in 2015, a guy named Tom Hartman, who's got a program – you heard of this guy?
4: I, I worked with his producer here on SoFlow. His producer had a show that we simulcast for a while. Shame. And
3: he's he's got a good brain on him. Tom Hartman. Yes. love the guy. Yes. So he uh, did on his show. He had a very interesting. You got this one queued up. The racism is killing poor white Americans. This is Tom Hartman. So here you go. Hit hit me with that one.
11: Here we go. And my point was we need to be sure if we're going to put this economy back together, if we're going to change our trade policies, if we're going to bring our factories home, if we're going to put our cities back to work, that we do so in a way that's colorblind, that that or, you know, to the extent it can be that that. That is all inclusive, because by and large, the boom, the middle class boom in the 50s. I mean, we were a segregated, a legally segregated society at that time. That boom was largely confined to white men about the age who are committing suicide now. And they're committing suicide because that future that they thought they had, that they grew up with, uh, you know, looking back on their parents, they don't have it. But Brian Cooper says poor white Americans are dying of despair and racism is to blame. You know, poverty isn't, he says, uh, American poverty is increasingly brutal. Male wages in the bottom fifth of the income ladder, for example, for instance, have fallen by over 30% since the late 60s, and inequality has exploded. These days, those in the top 1% capture virtually all economic growth. But then it gets really interesting. He says, now the reason that, so, okay, you've got that, and you've got all these white, quote, you know, quote, middle class men, and now they're laid off, they don't have a job. And the social safety net in America is not strong enough to catch them. Right? Unemployment has been limited to a year in most places. The Republicans 2 years ago refused to extend long-term federal unemployment. It, it still has, you know, it's still it's still blocked. Welfare is only available for a maximum of 5 years. We are what, 6 or 7 years into a great recession? And and he points out that the reason why during the Clinton administration, they they cut back on welfare. Uh, during the uh, Reagan administration, they 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 cut back on housing and education assistance. During uh, you know it, it just basically through this whole thing, is that uh, and why universities have become more expensive. Uh, they've done away with free education, their disability insurance, unemployment insurance, all dialed back. No child allowance, no paid vacation, stuff like that. The reason all that stuff has gone away. Is because historically, the white people who are the majority of the voters voted against it because they believed, this is going back to Reagan's welfare queen thing, they believed that these welfare benefits were going to black people. And the white people were saying, you know, we don't want to be paying taxes to be supporting a bunch of black freeloaders. And now the white people are in the position of needing those resources and they're not there which is something African-Americans could have told you for a long, long time, not to mention that the jobs aren't there, which you know has been the, the case for African-Americans for a long, long time. So there you go. I mean that and, – and I really
3: think he hits the nail on the head there. I thought it was interesting that uh, that Tom Hartman referred back to Congress denying extension of unemployment insurance and before that uh, Bill Clinton trimming the sales and welfare and before that Reagan cutting back on housing assistance, et cetera. Um, you know, he's talking about the welfare queens. Mm-hmm. Remember yeah, the I remember that. that. Yeah. For a, code, okay. a But he stopped sort of going back. I wrote down. That he stopped sort of going back to what actually spawned the current crisis he's discussing, which is when Nixon transformed the war on poverty into the war on drugs. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, we had Johnson's war on poverty. We had that. And then one day you woke up and it was gone. It was war on drugs. He literally said, we, you know, their problem. Was one that, if, you know, for for Nixon and for for conservatives, a drug problem that affect that affects blacks and minorities, okay, is a scourge upon their landscape. The same problem that takes place amongst themselves, okay, is a disease that mm-hmm, needs to be dealt mm-hmm. with. We need to help compassion. That. Yes, and it all ties in, as far as I'm concerned for who's making money. I also thought it was interesting that the Journal of American Me- of I found this. The Journal of the American Medical Association Psychiatry says research shows that nearly 90% of the people who began using heroin in the previous decade, 2005 to 2015 were white. Mm. White. Well, you know. Yeah. Here's an interesting article. Pharmaceutical company with monopoly on life-saving treatment jacks up prices. Okay. Oh, yeah. The ongoing fight over Big Pharma's pricing policies continues as congressional leaders shift their focus to a drug that police departments use to treat heroin overdoses while law enforcement agencies have become more accepting of this approach to combat drug use. Wow. Mm-hmm. Isn't that, well, that's mighty white of them. I can literally say that now. Yeah, yeah. That really is mighty white of them. Uh, recent price spikes put the future of city and state distribution programs in jeopardy. You know why? Because... You know, if that stuff becomes too expensive, they won't be able to afford, you know, their latest tank that they can use for their SWAT team. Earlier this week, uh, various uh, Bernie Sanders, Elijah Cummings, back in 2015, blasted faster Pharmaceuticals, the maker of the drug naloxone, in a letter in which the duo questioned the rationale of increasing the price of a drug during a time when heroin overdoses have more than tripled within a three-year period. Basically, they saw a way to make profit. Side note, you know who invested in methadone clinics a couple years ago? I don't know. Oh, you're going to love this one. This this is the classic. Mm-hmm. Yep, Bain Capital. Romney's. From, from Bain Capital. Oh <laughs> Yeah, Mitt Romney's, Bain Capital. They invested mm-hmm. in methadone clinics. All right? I, you know, follow the money. Okay, mm-hmm. we've got for-profit prisons. We've got for-profit drug treatment facilities. Yeah, for-profit For- drugs. For-profit drugs. For-profit pharmaceuticals, okay? There's an interesting quote in a movie where it says, uh, the profit drug treatment centers make money selling hope to families in crisis. So I wrote down, now we can add rehabs to the list of enterprises which sell dreams for cash along with casinos and political campaigns. They're selling dreams Mm -hmm. for cash. Certain industries profit from creating a problem and other industries profit from solving these problems. What's interesting now is that we have an industry that profits Coming and going, right? They're they're going to profit coming and going. Another interesting note: the drug Narcon, with uh, it's called Naloxone, which is the heroin overdose drug. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was invented in 1961, but the patent expired, so it's actually available in generic form. Which begs the question: Why would townships be? Uh, worried about the cost coming from this company when they can set up when they can set up their own company and produce it much 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 cheaper. There's no patent on it. anybody can make it. Chemical formulation is available. You know,
4: I, I don't online. Know.
3: I yeah, you want to gotta ask yourself that. Oh, I wonder who wonder who's running the uh, county. Who's your local congressman? Who donates to that congressman's campaign? Mm-hmm. It wouldn't happen to be. Oh, hold on a second. Let me see, um, what was the name of that company? Mm, I don't know. But, uh, you know, whatever the name of the company is, it's producing it. I'm, I'm just going to guess that, uh, let me see, what is it? I got it here. I had it. There it is. I'm just going to guess that whoever the congressman for that particular town is mm. got a lot of money from AmFAster Pharmaceuticals. I'll guess. You know, right here in Florida, Governor Scott. Mm -hmm. Everybody who's on welfare should get drug tested. Hey, guess what? The people who supply the drug testing kits donated a lot of money to his campaign. I'm surprised to hear that. I really am. I'm shocked. Shocked. Shocked, I say. yeah. Scott, Governor Scott. Oh, right. yeah, I know. Largest amount of money ever. What a fuck you, you fuck motherfucker. So with all of that in mind, okay, and faster and all that, okay, you need to. The question that that I'm asking now is twofold. First things first, okay? What is Congress's end game regarding the opioid epidemic? What's their end game here, okay? They put $45 billion. Yeah. Okay? Now that's $45 billion. They don't tell you how they're going to spend it. I'd like to know how that money's going to be spent. Is it going to be spent on clinics in inner cities? Is it going to be spent on clinics, fuck that, in the Appalachians? Because this isn't just a racial thing. This is an economic class thing. Okay? What we're discovering now, okay, and what we're what we're discovering now is that they really hate poor white people too. Well that's why but, the, that's, that's why the crystal met thing just went
4: exactly. I, I try to tell the inbred hillbillies that the people that they're supporting with their that they like because of their bigotry they, they, they see you the same way that you see black people you're a different race as far as this one percent the elites the people that own everything yeah everyone is a different race They're nobility and we're the commoners the pros, society is becoming more and more of a gated peasant, community there's the like that gated peasant. community by the way in answer to your question those rehab centers will be built by and for the companies that put the money into the politicians pockets oh there's a, there's so a huge business where, it so that's where those business. dollars will go that's where those tax dollars will go where the the, the rehab center is built side be, note
3: yeah. health insurance pays for that right so the health insurance companies that's the most expensive thing health insurance sure. companies can pay for because you do it over and yeah. over and over again every year you got a map uh, who's got the insurance mm-hmm. so, so that's where the rehab right, center well, is going to go. You got to keep in mind, okay, and I pointed this out when I did my whole pot thing, okay, 90% of the people who try drugs won't develop a problem with it. They're not 90% de- of the people that go
4: bowling won't become obsessed with bowling. Right. It's the person, not the thing. Right. Some people have a obsessive,
3: addictive personalities and That's some people right. don't. 90% won't. So 10% will. But. Since that percentage has remained constant throughout mm, the course yeah. of human history, yeah, yeah. okay, that's not changing, okay. And since the population in America keeps increasing, it is a statistical certainty that the overall number of addicts is going to increase. Mm-hmm. That's just fucking math. Yep. I know. Yep. I know math, science. Two plus two equals four. I know that that's a you know a crime for people. You know, for for conservatives. You know, don't. Don't believe you're lying. What are you gonna believe? Me or your lying eyes.
2: Right. Right. You know?
3: Okay. The question is which demographic will be affected by it the most? Not only now, but in the future. And how they're going to take a look at that and who is going to set up a way to profit from it. Because that's really the end game. The end game is how to make money off of somebody else's down, you know, downfall. Mm-hmm. Okay? This is how banks make money. They don't make they, they make money by owning debt. Okay, when countries go to war, they run up debt. That's where the real money is. It's in owning the debt from war. Yeah, not the war. You know, that's an. This is just another way. I've I've been writing this thing called pain for Profit." Okay, mm-hmm. and I'm probably never going to finish it because I don't know enough. I need a research assistant or probably two. But there's an entire industry out there. There's a there's a this huge group of people who literally, and the pharmaceutical companies are the most crystalline example, who literally. Set up ways to cause people angst and then set up ways to help them cure that angst. Sure. And they profit coming and going. So now, with all of that in mind, mm-hmm. President Trump didn't go to Charlottesville, but tomorrow he's going to Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Personal tie in there is that Sh- Sheriff Joe Arpaio just got right. convicted. I have been arrested by Sheriff Joe Arpaio. Oh, congratulations! Thank you very Lucky much. Lucky you. Did you, you? Did he make you live in a tent? <laughs> uh, I didn't actually have to go to tent city. I made it all the way through the horseshoe in time to actually make it home and see myself on the news. I actually, awesome! Yeah, I made so many newscasts that I went through the system. Saw so I judge on a uh, thing. There's something called a horseshoe in Phoenix. So they mm-hmm. move you from cell to cell. They give you something called a ladmo bag, which is like your food bag. I see. But I actually. Uh, I made the 12, 5, 6, uh, 10, and nice. 1 o'clock in the morning newscast. Nice work. Yeah. I. You know, you're going to go. You go big, baby. That's right. Yeah. And the question that I'm asking, you know, and, and one of the things that people are saying is, you know, will he pardon him? Mm. Is he going to give Arpaio a pardon? Because out there, his anti-immigrant stance, his mm. stronger border stance is exactly the kind of thing that Trump supporters are going to love. And this is a perfect example of what I have been saying all along, and I'm, you know, people is is, is Trump, you know, when they when he brought in Kelly to be uh, mm. chief of staff, this Is this a reset. Are we doing a reset? What's his, you know, what's he going? to He's doing a speech tonight. He's going to do a thing on Afghanistan. OK, mm-hmm. we, we need to be distracted from the distractions that are distracting us from the original distractions that were set up to distract us from the distractions, mm-hmm. which we're setting. You know, it's the Petroi Skadal. Sure. This is the bigger now. Afghanistan. Big, 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 big Petroi Skadal. That's the biggest one. He'll come up with something else. I Korea. Oh, I have no idea. Right. You know, Absolutely. Sure. I mean, I just figured I told you this. I figured the whole Korea thing was based on the fact that mm-hmm. this year's women's uh, golf U.S. Open was held at Trump national course in Bedminster, New Jersey, and Donald Trump was there. And the LPGA tour is basically dominated by women from Korea. And one of them won the uh, U.S. Open this year. I figure he just doesn't know the difference between North and South Koreans. He was just pissed. An American didn't win. So now he decided to get all, you, you know, Trumpy with uh, with Korea. My question is, what's Trump's endgame? And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The question is, is he so addicted to adulation that he's willing to overtly court a constituency that's primarily comprised of biggest racists and faux nationalists? And the answer, of course, is yeah, yes. of course. President Trump doesn't care who follows him, just so long as every time he turns around, he can see an allegiant following behind him. Everything he's said and done for the last 10 years is consistent with my contention that his real desire all along has been to be a cult leader. He didn't run for president because he wanted to be president. He ran for president figuring there was no way he could win, but he could garner a cult-like following. And at this point, it seems like his long-term goal is to avoid imprisonment because he knows that even if he's impeached, he'll be able to lead, as it were, A following, indeed, if he's impeached and then indicted and convicted of a crime, so long as he can remain free on bail, his rabid pack of drooling drones will probably be even more vigilant in their defense and willfully ignorant commitment to his agenda, no matter how obvious or self-serving it is. The most crystalline example of his real goal is his continued adherence to fear-based fiction that got him elected in the first place. Yeah. This is what we need to pay attention to. You know that there is a conversation that has taken place in the White House somewhere about how to ensure that he gets treated, you know, that that Pence treats him the way Ford treated Nixon. I pardon him. We just need to Mm -hmm. move on. It's Mm -hmm. too big of a distraction. You know, and that's his thing. He doesn't care what happens just so long as he doesn't go to jail. The rest of it. Seriously, as a matter of fact. He would also he would almost bolster his status with his following if he were indicted and right. convicted. Oh, he's a martyr. He's a yeah, yes, yes. Look at what these liberal Hollywood Jews are doing to our champion. That's exactly it. And I'm looking back at what happened with the opioid epidemic, and I'm looking back at the frustration now. Mm. Okay, of blacks with the whole uh, statute thing and his obvious courtship. Of bigots, racists, okay, mm-hmm. and I know you know the fr- people talk about the frustration
12: mm-hmm.
3: of the minority communities, their frustration, and the frustration really, what the common thread of people frustrated with Trump, what he's doing now in his racist mm-hmm. dialectic, and the groups of people, you know, this alt right, racist, KKK, bigot. What they have in common with the inner city minorities who were the original, uh, originally, you know, got hit by the drug scourge. I mean, you have to go back to Vietnam. The, The soldiers returning home from Vietnam, New York City had like, you know, a couple hundred thousand drug addicts. I mean, we had a huge heroin addiction in New York City after Vietnam. Nobody did shit about that. What they have in common with today's people... Okay, is a lack of political power. This is what it comes down to, poor blacks and poor whites. Okay. And okay, the thing is is that these days what makes it different is that poor whites see the alt right as a source for political power for them. They don't realize that at the end of that train, okay, Mm -hmm. is a group of people that don't give a shit about you because you're poor. Right, white doesn't matter. As strange as that sounds, he's right. yeah. they don't, don't court rich blacks. They got
4: no problem with that. They're blue. They're the blue bloods. Yes, they, to themselves, they're blue, and, and no one else nice. is. he's a yeah. piece of shit. He's, he's a piece broke. of shit. He's right. He's everybody. All those articles that, from uh, the New Yorkers, you know, oh, all yeah, he was broke.
3: He literally was broke. Yeah. Broke. Yeah, in debt until the Russians. As so a matter of fact, I'd be willing to bet you right now. That if an accurate accounting of of him oh, came out, that's why was, he'd, be, he in the the taxes. he'd I, be in the red. He'd be in the red. It's no que- all no question. And yet the funny thing is, is that rich people don't go to prison. Like, it's really rare yeah. that rich people go to prison. You talk about what's his name who ran a Ponzi scheme. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't rich. He was Madoff. Broke. Yeah, Madoff was broke. Mm-hmm. It was broke. He was broke. When should've. he was rich, he didn't go to prison. Should've. Nobody wanted to send him to prison should've when he was ripping s- off people. Of it was only Ponzi when he money. lost money that he was forced to go to prison. Right? Rich people don't go to prison. The question is, if Donald Trump isn't rich, for real, mm-hmm. will he wind up in prison? And then after that, what's going to happen? You know, Steve Bannon, you got to give him credit. He, you know, he's a rat leaving a sinking ship. Okay? A ship he constructed, I might add. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, and now, you know, let's keep an eye on that because Steve Bannon's just a piece of shit in general. I have a feeling he's going to be – his. he's going to have a scorched earth Human policy. Human tumor. He's a scorched earth policy on the White House. He's
4: a gin blossom yeah. on legs.
3: I like – yeah, and I, I – it really is interesting. You know, you saw the, the picture of uh, Kelly, chief of staff, you know, mm. just with his head hung low. Mm-hmm. You know, I really do have sympathy on the, the military, the generals that he's brought in there because, you know – these people, you know, I'm going to say it. They're men of honor. I think they are men of honor. I think that they joined the administration thinking, "I can change what's going on. It's going in a bad direction. He's going Ooh. to bring me. In. We're going to put some discipline. We're going to we're going to right the ship here." Kelly, I think no. Kelly. I think uh, what's his name, uh, national defense guy. Um, I can't remember his name. Okay. He wrote a he wrote a book that was very critical of Vietnam um, and the way in which we went. But there are a bunch of them. Even, um, you know, I just think that they are honorable men who are realizing rapidly that, you know, Commander-in-Chief commands them. The power of Christ commands you. The power of Christ commands you. Sorry, I know I'm going exorcist on your ass there, but I I couldn't resist that, yes. Yes. Timmy, Timmy, why are you doing this to me? (laughs) Timmy. I have
4: all those drops in here. I can play them. I I
5: know. You probably got
4: them. We don't need them. The exorcist collection, the tubular bells music, it's all on the computer. I,
3: I really, I was sad more than anything else. I wasn't angry at the end of all this when I saw what was going on in Charlottesville. I was sad. I wasn't enraged. I was depressed. And you can't talk about moving forward you know, you want to you you can't talk about you can't have a quote saying we we can't live in the past and yet at the same time glorify a statue that's meant to help us live in the past. Right. You yeah. can't have it both ways. Yet. Yet. Mm-hmm. Yet. Right. right. That seems to be the order of the day. Uh, they they
4: hypocrisy does not register with them.
3: The only thing greater than than the alt right sycophancy for John for Donald Trump is their hypocrisy. The, the hypocrisy yeah. drenching that they give it, the, the just a drool yeah. of hypocrisy coming out of their mouths. All right, I, I think that might be enough there. All right, but literally, I think this is what we're going to have to pay attention to now because this is the next. This is this is the next front in the war on poverty. It's going to be the war on drugs. How do you solve the drug problem in Appalachia? Well, you give them something else to do. All the people that became addicted <laughs> to drugs there are not drug addicts. They're not. What they are is without hope. Sure. They have no hope. If hope has problems. been taken away right. from them. Their jobs have been lost. They're not making the wages. They're looking for a scapegoat, and they're looking for escapism. Mm-hmm. Give them something to be proud in. Mm-hmm. Give them employment. Let them work hard and put food on their table. Lord knows they did it as coal miners. Yeah. You think these guys aren't hard-working motherfuckers? They're the hardest-working motherfuckers out there, pal. No, yep. no black man alive today has ever been a slave. Bullshit. Bullshit. We got Mexican slaves all over the country. Go to any go to any place where they grow vegetables or fruit. You think that's not slave labor? No protection, no nothing, minimum payments, living in shacks. You might as well go back to the fucking Mississippi in the 1850s. You can drive down the homestead, although I'm told
4: that they've really spruced up the labor camps these days. Have they? Days. They've spruced
3: up the since labor camp? I cable? Used, since
4: I used cable? to live there, <laughs> they have windows now. <laughs> No, I'm serious. No air conditioning. I used to ride my bike through because they had speed bumps. And me and my friends used to really enjoy, like, we would just go on a circuit through the labor camp and, and jump the speed bumps. They, no glass on the windows. They were like these, they look like bombed out bunkers. Yeah. No glass on the windows and no physical doors. Shotgun shack, shot, baby. Shotgun shack. Just shot. the things. And so uh, they would drape, uh, uh, you know, a towel. That was the door. Towels yeah. for the windows. Uh, and this is
3: something like that. I understand know, they have windows and doors now. Well, so. now, you know, and everybody's saying on the news, and I'm going to finish off with this, you know, is this the turning point? Is this the tipping point? The tipping mm-hmm. point? Is this the tipping point? No. It's not the tipping point, which saddens me even more, but it's not, okay? We have this innate ability to kind of blot out shit because of whatever is next. We are a country constantly distracted by the latest squirrel running across our yard. Mm-hmm. Whatever the newest squirrel is, whatever the latest Petrois is, whatever the latest faux war is, North Korea is not going to do shit. Shut the fuck up and leave him alone. I mean, it's always been curious as to why we don't just buy them off. Why don't we just give them money? Mm-hmm. Don't build bombs. We're going to help you out. We'll do it on the side. You don't, you don't even have to tell anybody. I'll we'll give you several billion dollars. Just stop. Just, okay? Because every time Kim Jong whatever, un-ill, mm-hmm. yeah. you know?
4: It's the third time.
3: What's the time? It's time to get Kim Jong-il. Okay? Mm-hmm. But every time you like that one, spur a the moment, Trademark. Every time he, you know, rants and raves, the entire world fucking ducks under the desk. All right? To yeah. stop. It's a waste of money. A waste of their money, our money, our time, our effort. You are waste. We'll give you money to not do it. Oh, by the way, side note, what the hell is going on with the Navy? So oh yeah, to, yeah. What God? Do your research and
4: bring it up on the next show. Yeah, but they're just uh, snuffing her hormones. Or, they're looking for uh, ten guys
3: now. Yeah, in, you know, off of Singapore.
4: The, and uh, and it's, it's, yeah, no it's just, bullshit. NPR man. had a story about it this morning. Yeah. And um, the
3: fourth one this year, the uh, mm -hmm. fourth one this year,
4: they're obviously drinking and driving or, uh, they're not,
3: this isn't, no, 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 no. something's going on. There's something going wrong. They're not updating their navigate state. They're not getting state of the art navigational systems. You know, the ship was the John McCain senior Mm -hmm. ship. That's John McCain's dad. who's a Mm -hmm. Navy man Mm -hmm. as well. You know, shout out John McCain. Shout out. Yeah. You know, he came through like a fucking trooper, like, you know, like Mm -hmm. a fucking trooper, I don't know what's going on with that, but that's, that's disturbing. I find that, that's kind of freaked out, man. Yeah. yeah. All right. Enough of that. We're going to keep it going. Yo, this one's special going out to Sylvia. Hope you're getting better, honey, because this is the Nils Langgren Funk Unit, and they're out of where? what? <laughs> they're out of Sweden. That's right. <laughs> it's Nils Langgren on the Groovathon on SoFloRadio.com. <laughs>
0: And it- But no skinny models, at. I just need- Chiquete <música> was not known to mortal men I don't need awful I just come walking in can't short of wind, lyrically red. I hate raw material like making porcelain They try to spit like this, leave cats, cough, he flim You never saw the end, but you can stick a fork in him Peace the cool hurt, because that's what we all descend if you ain't talking hip-hop, it ain't important man. They talk about my swag, but the cane is much more Caught my face in a mountain by the name of Crushmore I am somebody, this is what Jesse programmed, But speaking hip-hop, that's somebody I am yeah. Molly puts the call out for a
9: girl in this mood The R, the O, the X, the A, the N, N, E I'm fine and I'm paid I'm loved and I'm hated I'm a beast on the stage I'm blessed and I'm cursed I'm the best and the worst. When it comes to female rappers Just admit I'm the first You see me on TV Your radio station From hood to your hood To the United Nations I'm bad when I'm mad And I'm bad when I'm good I'm still Shante. I wish a new word I'm laughing I'm serious I'm truthful I'm lying I'm still breaking hearts And I'm still leaving the brine You can't replace me So please stop trying I'm Queens I'm Bronx I'm Brooklyn all day I'm Shiny, Lolita Roxanne And, and I'm hip hop Clap your hands, clap,
13: clap your hands hand. I am hip hop I'm wow. hip hop, I'm hip hop I'm, I'm hip hop Clap your hands, clap your hands Clap, clap your hands
0: This one's a definite win, like a Mike Tyson in his prime left to your chin. Trevor Burrus, Rapper's head tangled on ropes, sporadic, and accurate, like a tech with a scope. Who's next to get choked? You clowns are blue in the face, pop a smurf, Gargamel is here to ruin your race. Smack you in the mouth, and now you're losing your taste. Fella, we on deck now, so you're moving to wait. Who's in the place? Craig G, Molly Mall on the beat. And yo, king, I know that you can relate. And everything is a 10, like a two and a eight. Too many snitches in the game, they are going doing the case. Doors off the hinge, we were fusing the weight. Molly started from the top, homie Q in the great. Clear a lane, young fella, cause you in the way Forget yesterday, Dunny, I'm a shoo in a the- In order to harm me, you got to bring your whole brigade before long, I'm pissing on your whole parade Whole mind without any type of assistance So your ass better off keeping you distance. Don't need 16, I'll do that ass in the first state Living in Atlanta, but New York is my birth state. My rhyme book is bulletproof, it's made out of Teflon Think that you could do me? Kid, do heavy test, Sean. I ain't running
13: clap your hands clap your hands i am hip hop i'm here i'm here i i'm hip hop clap your hands clap your hands clap clap your hands i am hip hop i'm here i'm here i'm here clap your hands clap your hands clap clap your hands i am hip hop i'm here i'm here i'm here clap your hands Clap your hands, clap, clap your hands I am hip
8: hop. My ship is going down And I'm going down with it How's that? All well, this is an illusion I'm on my ass. I haven't got a pot to piss in
12: A mm. hundred grand a week
8: Painful I should have read some of your sacred books Young Flanagan The only thing I know about saloons Is how to pour whiskey And run my mouth off I knew nothing about insurance or sales tax or the building code or labour costs or the power company or purchasing or linens. Everyone with a hand stuck it in my pocket. You must make enough to cover that. If I'd stuck to what I know best, which is almost nothing. Instead, I put all the cash into commodities. And blew the fucking lot. (laughs) On the margin, by cover, by cover. I wanted it fast. Relax. The luck is gone, the brain is shot, but the liquor we still got. on your side, you can do some horrific things.
3: For some groovy ass shit. Dolores Ely, it's about time I made a change. That is a seven that she came out with a few years ago. Yeah, before that, Led Zeppelin, The Ocean Live from How the West Was Won. That's a triple live album that came out in uh, 2003. They came out with that and a DVD, and it's a uh, bunch of stuff they put together from their live shows from 1972. They did them out in LA, and uh, I wrote it down here. They, they were from the LA Forum and the Long Beach Arena. So, great stuff there if you like Zeppelin. And if you don't, I don't even want to know you, to be honest with you. I mean, how is it? I ever tell you about the guy that I met who was like in you know, all this heavy, heavy rock and hard trying rock? And I was like, oh, and he's like, I'm not a really big Led Zeppelin fan. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, uh, why? I, what? You, uh, what? Uh, yeah. What? We don't speak the same. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Before that, well... There was a couple of clips in it. We had Lee Michaels, of course, doing, you know, do you know what I mean? A classic, if ever there was one, from 71. That was surrounded by a, another clip from the movie Cocktail, where uh, Colin goes, I should have paid more attention to your books, young Flanagan.
5: <laughs> okay?
3: And on the other side of the Lee Michaels was an actual quote from the actual Brian Flanagan, when he says, uh, when you feel you have right on your side... You can do some pretty horrific things. That is a uh, from the documentary "The Weather Underground" that originally aired on PBS. I'm going to have a little bit more on Flanagan in a second related to all that. For the cocktail clip, Marley Marl, I am hip hop. That of course has Marley Marl, Roxanne, MC Shan, uh, a few other people on that. You know, that was the uh, Juice Crew that I brought up last week. Kicking off the set. Straight out of Sweden, baby. Nils Landgren's Funk Unit. That is Booty Rock from Funk the World, which came out in 2003. He's actually a trombonist. That's what he does. He plays trombone. And I, you know what I got for you? Mm. Just for you. Okay. He's got an album out called Funky Abba. Ooh. Ooh. All right. Okay. So I went through and I I sifted through. I know. It sounds, you know, a little off until you listen to Abba. And you realize what you can do with their original tracks, where you can take them. Oh, okay. You take them to places. You take hmm. them, and he does some of it is pretty lame. <laughs> okay, okay. But there is a bunch of it that's super duper cool. I mean, he does some interesting shit, man. You know, it's it's wild what people can do with some of this old stuff and how they turn it around. So, Brian Flanagan, you know, from the movie uh, Cocktail. Yeah. Okay. You've got Coglin, who's the older bartender, and then Tom Cruise plays. Brian Flanagan. Well, when all that came out, um, Tom Cruise, when he got the part, went to Bruce Willis, who had been a bartender in New York uh, for many, many years before he uh, hit it big with Moonlighting. That's that's where he got his start, that television show Moonlighting. Mm-hmm. And he had been a bartender at uh, Cafe Central, at Parallel Club, a couple of places so when tom cruise got the gig he got the got the part in the movie he went to went to bruce wilson and said look i you know tell me somebody i can go to show me you know the you know the real ropes for bartending in new york city mm-hmm. he sent him a guy named stephen eads and stephen eads at the time was running the bar at a place called lucy's surfeteria which was on broadway between 105th and 106th so tom cruise shows up with his friend and bodyguard um you know he has to bring somebody with tom cruise not very big guy he's like if like five, five six, five seven. Yeah, five, five. I got I got a solid. I got several inches on the money. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, I got seven. and so we went there, but of course Lucifer Fiteria was kind of it was on Broadway. So there were too many people there, and Stephen Eats goes, Look, go around the corner, go to the night cafe, okay, ask for Brian Flanagan, he'll he'll show you what to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting at the bar with Kenny Sanzel. Ken, of course, is uh Ken's a uh, movie director and writer. He did uh Blunt Force Trauma. Okay, The movie that came out last year about guys who get into dueling. Mm-hmm. They they duel with real guns in South America. That, I, I like that movie. Yeah, it's a cool movie. That's my friend Kenny Sanzel, okay, who was a uh, cop in New York. He was okay. a transit cop. Um, he wrote it and directed it. Mm. He also directed uh, or wrote the screenplay for uh, The Replacement Killers with Damir Sorvino, Cho Young Fat. He's working on something now, but he won't tell me about it, you know. so mm. But um, so me... Ken Senzel and a guy named Felix Darienzo, who is a patent and trademark lawyer, mm-hmm. um, we were all sitting at the bar, sitting at the corner of the bar, and walks Tom Cruise. There was maybe half a dozen people in a bar besides us, okay? Stuck him behind a bar, put him behind a bar, couldn't have been a nicer guy, yeah. seriously. Mm-hmm. Couldn't have been a nicer guy, but He's like, you know, I'm going to make these drinks, they're going to suck, just give me a number, you know, for whatever he costs and whatever. Well... Cut to the movie, the guy who trained him is the guy whose name, Brian mm-hmm. Flanagan. Flanagan was a member. Um, now it's out there. Now that he's done the documentary, documentary. Brian Flanagan was originally a, was a, a member of the Weather Underground. He had been with the SDS uh, at Columbia University and then joined the Weather Underground. And um, I thought it was interesting because he goes, uh, I should have read some of your, your books. I'm mm-hmm. saying, well... Brian actually did come out with a book. It's called Dookie's. Co- Dookie was his nickname. Dookie mm-hmm. is his nickname, and uh, it's called Dookie's College of Pool Knowledge because we were all on the same pool team. Okay, um, I was. You know, when they started the the pool leagues back in the day, this is in the uh, I guess in the late eighties is when we it started the American Pool Players Association league. Literally, you get a little card. You know, as a member, so now they're up to ten thousand. You know, maybe even more than that at this point. Okay, my player number is one ninety six. That's how early we were. we were like the first league, right there. And so our team was called Foul Play, and our motto was, "Every shot makes somebody happy." And Brian, who is a master pool player, okay, he's mm-hmm. borderline at the, in the back in those days. He was borderline professional. He would get called in when they needed somebody for any of the pro tournaments at Amsterdam Billiards, Chelsea Billiards. If they needed somebody actually to fill out the board, they would mm. call. He was one of those guys, and you know he's played with the Rebel and Johnny Orvelino, and so he came out with Dookie's College of Pool Knowledge, and we all got better as a result of that book. So Coglin should have learned something, because his books really did mean something. So that's my, my Brian Flanagan story. Okay, we had notes from you know advice from the movie Cocktail. I put it all on commodities. Well, let me tell you something. As somebody who worked in the commodities exchange, I can tell you that's a mistake unless you're actually on the exchange itself. You're a sucker and you lost it all. So there you go. Hey, you know what? Time for me to take care of the people who take care of me. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Precision Auto Works at Pompano Beach, Florida. 954-247-9362. Dave and the entire ASE certified crew. Best in the biz. I got a special shout out. This week to Ashley. Okay, first of all, chicks who are gearheads, turn me on. Chicks who can fix cars, come on, man. Cause I don't know shit, man. Yeah. Alright? And she's in there, she's doing a great job. They are working on a sixty-five Mustang right now. Oh my God. It's gonna be all put back together. I've seen it in a raw form right now, because they gotta drop a new engine in it. Mm-hmm. But it's they're doing a oh Oh, oh, oh. So, you know, I don't know, but uh, she's a member of the Busted Knuckle Club. And bonus package for her boyfriend. Apparently, she's also a foodie because I ran into her at the uh, Publix, my local Publix, just the other day. And she's, like, looking for ingredients to make some sort of sausage and pepper dish. I was like, hey, you know, check out Epicurious.com. That's where I sent her. So, you know, bonus package for whoever her boyfriend is, you know, fixes cars, fixes dinner. I'm telling you straight up, that guy better be good at things like, guard, you know, trash removal and lawn maintenance. <laughs> okay? Because otherwise he's going to serve no purpose whatsoever in that relationship. <laughs> okay? You got to got to toe the line on that one. Anyway, man, precision Auto works. I was just in there. I had to have a new starter put in the car. Oh, bummer. Look, there's not much you can do about it. You know, when a starter goes, there's no warning. There's literally no warning for that. Like, Because I'd use the car in the morning to see you, of all people hmm Remember? We got yeah. together. Yeah. And so did that in the, in the morning. Come back. Pfft, wouldn't start. Wouldn't start at all. Wow. Nothing. Battery's fine. Everything's fine. So I took it over there. Boom. Next day, bing, bang, boom, done. I'm telling you, bumper to bumper. Okay? Mm-hmm. Right off of 95, you get on Atlantic, you go west to Andrews, south to 3rd Street, go over two blocks, 60 seconds off the highway. Absolutely. Groovathon approved. Okay? Great. Mention the Groovathon, and there is a discount. You can go to the SoflowRadio.com website. Click on the box, it says Tony C's Groovathon. You're gonna find my page on that page, every show I've ever done, with every song for every show listed there. Of course, there's a link for every show which could be downloaded or listened to for free. We give that shit away, baby. You give away to Groove. Okay? And at the top, you're going to see a link for Precision Auto Works. Click on the link. It takes you right to their page. Everything you need to know, 954-247-9362. It is absolutely the place where people who love their cars take their cars. Side note on this one, for all you car junkies out there, I've been watching the show. Uh, there's a brand new series, Top Gear America. Now, Top Gear was great, and then they did Top Gear America. But now it's on BBC America. It was on the History Channel, I think, or National or Nat Geo. Mm -hmm. Um, But now they've done four episodes so far, and it's pretty cool. Okay, it's the same sort of format that you see in Top Gear. They do crazy shit with cars. They also do new cars. They test out. They were testing out the new Caddy with the with the the. The 6.2 liter V8 that they drop into this fucker, which is basically Mm. the Corvette engine. They just drop that into a four-door caddy. And yeah, boy, that's America. That shit, 180. Bolstered 180. I was like, put your your groceries in the back of that. But they did, in episode two, they did one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Because when you're seeing the cars Mm -hmm. driving along, somebody's got to be filming it. There's a car right behind with, like, this huge, like, one of these microphone stands that we've got here. Yeah, right. But but it's so incredible. The camera's on the end, and then it can turn all the way around, and they can Mm -hmm. bring it over. So then they're showing how they do that. And then they come in and go, so I'll bet you're wondering, who was shooting the guys who were shooting the car? Well, yeah, yeah, that's right. They did it. They brought in another one, Mm -hmm. okay, to shoot that. And what they're shooting is, like, the Ford Raptor truck. Which is, you know, a kind of thing that can go over uneven ground at like 70, 80 miles an hour. It's Mm. really a fucking beast. We make great trucks here, man. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Fuck the gas mileage, man. We make great trucks. We just do. But it's intense because they show the camera filming the truck and then they Mm. show the other guy. Mm. What they did is they, they retrofitted like a Jeep with big buggy tires, so that it would be smooth. But the camera itself is on like a balancing thing. They've mm. they've now got cameras, the, the, you know, the, the walk-around camera. cameras. Right. They've done that, except it's like more high-end. I'll tell you something. It's been a while since I've seen a show because it's always cool with the cars, but it was so cool to see how they did it. And then this is the best thing. They show you that, and they're like, so I'll bet you're wondering how we've got a picture of the, the guy in the Jeep shooting a guy in a truck, shooting a guy in a truck. There's a helicopter coming over. It. <laughs> yeah, right. Of it's, I swear to God, totally worth watching episode two. I I've, I've enjoyed all four episodes. They just did the fourth episode last night. But Top Gear America, BBC America, you're writing it down. I oh, am. Yeah. You have to get episodes. It's really cool for for you know if you're into that kind of shit. We are, you know. How, you know, they how,
4: they all show up on Netflix, you know. So. Yeah,
3: oh yeah, it'll be there. I've I see I think mm-hmm. I've got a copy of it in MKV, so I can put that in the folder and stuff Great. for you. But it's absolutely fabulous. Of course, you know what that means. Yeah, baby, time for the drive groove, and I swear, if this set don't go to motoring, if this doesn't redline you, then you probably need to take your car over to Dave and have a look at it because it's broken down. So get ready to pop the clutch. It's the drive groove on SoflowRadio.com. Tonight. and roll, Steve Stevens, that is prime movie from Memory Crash, one of my favorite albums by that guy, of course, Billy Idol's old guitar player, before that, we love it, we can't get enough of it, Ghost Riders from the Sky, Glenn Campbell and Roy Clark, that is live from Heehaw in 1990, now Roy Clark is playing a six-string telecaster, first of all, these are two fantastic flat pickers, Okay. Roy Clark, obviously. So he's playing the six-string Telecaster in that, that ding, 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 you know, that that real, like I said, you know, that Albert Lee sound, a great fucking Chris sound. Glenn Campbell is playing an electric 12-string guitar on that. His solos on that are on a 12-string, okay? That's just obscenely good. Now, I have no idea what kind of guitar it is. I looked at it for a while. Unfortunately, Glenn Campbell passed away recently. You know who else? Jerry Lewis just died. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of a bummer. i National not day of mixed m- feelings about Jerry, national but day of a, in o- overall positive. It's a national for, day of mourning yes. in France. I yeah. <laughs> well, you know, he's is, like beloved is a, there. Is that, he's a like, jo- is that a joke or not a joke? No, it's, it's <laughs> a comic genius. <laughs> I, know, as far as I, know I know they love him, yeah. but you know, I, uh, I met Glenn Campbell's son back in, of all places, by the time I got to Phoenix in 91. He arrived soon after me, so I met him in an interesting place. And before that, Roy Buchanan doing one of the all-time greats. Peter Gunn, that is from an album that came out in 2007. It's a collection of live tracks called Messiah on Guitar. And, of course, that's a takeoff on uh, The Messiah Will Return, which is you know one of his more famous uh, tracks of all time. I actually saw Roy Buchanan at the bottom line um, the last time he ever played live uh, at the bottom line before he hung himself in his jail cell. That's still a bit mm. uh, dubious. Before that, yeah, I said it. I fucking meant it. Tom Jones, baby. I wish you would from live on soundstage. Screaming guitar in that. Screaming Tom Jones. You can't go wrong with Tom Jones no matter what. But to be able to put him in the drive groove, that just pleases the living piss out of me. And kicking off the set, one of my favorites. I played a lot of stuff by him. Totally underappreciated American treasure. Brian Setzer. That is uh, Brian Setzer and friends doing Rumble in Brighton. I've got, I swear to God, five different versions of that. That's from The Strayed Cat which came out in 1999. So we love that shit. Hey, there you go, baby. We're all done. We came in, you know. Yeah, I kept it under three hours. We had yeah. to do it. Had to do it. We, uh, we survived the eclipse. We survived the eclipse. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, the 2000 yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I the Y two K, yeah, the Y two K. I remember getting when I was working at Free Ride. You know, and the uh, the IT guys gave us all these hats. You know, mm-hmm. and I survived this, and it said, you know, oh one, oh one, oh one, and all that kind of shit, or what? Oh oh one oh zero oh zero all that stuff. Nothing happened. It was a big letdown. Yeah, yeah this yeah. like I said before. Let me see if I got this straight. It's going to be dark for two and a half minutes. It it's was not- dark for eight hours no. last night.
4: Yeah, it wasn't very dark here.
3: It wasn't very right. What we got, we were looking out the window, and we said it looked like it looked like we had just tinted the windows. Yes, it's basically what it looked like here because it was just that little bit of it. I'm sure we're going to see video replay of it. You know. Over and over and over. I
4: I, I don't have the regular TV anymore. Yeah, but you know what the thing
3: is? It's like you're showing me an eclipse of the sun. Well, that's great, except that's happened many times. So I've seen videos. I've seen eclipses before. I saw one when I was in Maine when I was again. I saw one, I believe, when I was in Dublin, Ireland. There was an eclipse at that point, too. So we're going to get out of here now. I am grateful to be able to do this. As always, I get to live the dream, baby. Couple hours in a clip over here. I'm going to come back in two weeks. I'm going to try and do the exact same thing again. Just a little bit better. Going to get you out of here on one of our favorite tracks. We love this shit. Slick Rick doing children's story. As always, for myself and Lost George's, it is Aloha and peace. Good night, Mom.
14: was stern and justice good and people were behaving like they ought to good There lived a little boy who was misled by another little boy and this is what he said me and you tonight we're gonna make some cash robbing old folks and the they did the job money came with ease but one couldn't stop it's like he had a disease he robbed another Sting and a another Sting and a sister and a brother tried to rob a man who was a DT undercover the cop grabbed his arm he started acting erratic he said keep still boy no need for static punched him in his belly and he gave him a slap but little did he know the little boy was strapped the kid pulled out a gun he said why hit me the barrel set straight for the cop's kidney the cop got scared the kid starts to figure I'll do years if I pull this trigger so he cold dashed and ran around the block top Radios into another lady cop He ran by a tree There he saw his sister Shot for the head He shot back But he missed her Looked round good And from expectations He decided he hit For the subway stations But she was coming And he made a left. He was running top speed Till he was out of breath Knocked an old man down And swore he killed Sorry. him Then he made his move To an abandoned building Ran up the stairs Up to the top floor Open up a door there Guess who we saw? Who? Dave the dope Bean shooting dope Who don't know The meaning of water I soap He said I need bullets Hurry up, run The lowlife brought like This dope machine gun. gun He went outside But there was cops all over Then he dipped into a car A stolen Nova Raced up the block through 83 crashed into a tree near you University. escaped alive, though the car was battered. Radix had tatted and all the cops scattered. Ran out of bullets and he still had static. Grabbed the pregnant lady and pulled out the automatic. Pointed at her head, he said the gun was full of lead. He told the cops, back off, for honey, here's dead. Deep in his heart, he knew he was wrong, so he let the lady go and he starts to run on. Uh-huh. Siren sounded, he seemed astounded, and before long the little boy got surrounded. He dropped his gun, so went the glory And this is the way I have to end this story He was only Seventeen what? In a madman's dream The top shot the kid, I still hear him scream This ain't funny, so don't you dare laugh uh-huh. Just another case about the wrong path uh-huh. Straight and arrow are your soldiers cast uh-huh. Good night, good night, good talk night Knock him off the block Knock him out
10: Live from the beautiful city of Hollywood, Florida, USA. This is SoFloRadio.com.